I'm Drew Wright, my wife Rita. This is the um, second class in this series on uh, a vision for parenting in one word. Uh, last week, uh, Jane and Don uh, spoke on intentionality, being intentional, and uh, today we're going to speak on the cross. And I guess our primary question or, or our purpose today is to talk about the cross and how does a understanding of the gospel, how does an understanding of the cross inform our parenting, does it? And uh, just as a little background, um, how we got into this position of leading the class today was uh, about uh, oh several weeks ago, um, uh, Cameron said something to us about helping um, guide or, or provide some insight uh, about the class. He was just trying to put it together and figure how do I want to do this and what are some topics. And he knows he knows us and knows our family and known us for a long time and our girls and um, uh, thought we might offer some insight. So um, he, as we were sitting there talking, we happened to mention that we were reading, um, I think it's Gerhard Forday. Some of y'all may have read his uh, book uh, on being a theologian of the cross. And uh, I think a lot of the clergy here have read that book. And uh, we just mentioned that it's been really helpful to us in reading that book to um, recognize that the, the theologian of the cross says what a thing is. He recognizes reality and deals with reality. And that's been a very helpful to us as even though our children are older, uh, you continue to parent, we continue to parent. And uh, it's just helped us in thinking about um, uh, being real with our girls and being real as parents and recognizing what's really going on. And he said, you know, that's great. Y'all ought, ought to talk about that in a class sometime. Uh, there are probably some other parents that might want to hear that. And we didn't hear anything. And then about two weeks ago, we figured out, found out that we'd been volunteered uh, to uh, lead the class. So if you're ever talking to Cameron, uh, just be aware, be wary. Um, Anyway, I think from there, um, oh, yeah, so let's open with prayer. How about that? Thank you, Rita. <laughs> She'll keep me on the reservation. Uh, Father, thank you that um, we can be here this morning. We know that uh, all of us uh, are concerned about our children. We want to uh, be uh, good parents and be better parents, and thank you that you've Given us this opportunity to teach, to lead, uh, provide you know some of what we know or think we know about parenting, um, uh, guide us, guide our discussion today, um, and and uh, honor that time, honor this time that we are with you, that we are together, um, and and anything that we say, um, I, we hope that it's helpful. Um, that's certainly our intent, and if we are saying anything that's not um, uh, in, in accord with your word, just erase that in some way. Just eliminate that from our thoughts and from uh, everyone's thoughts here. But guide us, lead us. Thank you for this opportunity again. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And I'm going to turn it over to Rita and let her talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we thought just from a, this is sort of a, our agenda, introduction, a little bit about us. Then Rita will have some discussion around the cross and we'll have a little bit of what we weren't sure what to call it, but parental thoughts um, and maybe some practical uh, discussion or discussion on some practical matters. Rita? Hi. 
over. So, um, thank you. So, um, a little bit about us. Uh, we were married in our early 20s. Uh, by God's grace, we have been given the privilege to raise four beautiful daughters all of whom are now out of the house. We've got one that's a senior at Alabama. Um, and I'll just say in the midst... And two son-in-laws. And two son-in-laws, that's right. Um, and I will just say in the midst of raising our daughters, uh, we've lived life. I mean, life doesn't stop. Um, in our case, it uh, included but was not limited to um, the loss of a child, the loss of a business, the loss of health through cancer, um, We've had times where our kids were compliant and respectful, which made life easier. And we've had times uh, with difficulties and rebellion, which made life a challenge. Um, We've certainly expressed, uh, experienced many joys in raising our girls. We've seen them profess Christ. Uh, We've seen them have success in school and later in their careers. But Drew and I were talking about this. We can honestly say that the more difficult times have been the uh, times that brought us to the cross, um, the reversals, the difficulties, the pain um, that we've had has unexpectedly brought us back to the gospel, which we constantly need to beat into our heads. And it's also been a chance to really demonstrate that for um, our daughters. And we pray that the continued joys that God gives us will take it as just that, not um, you know, take credit. It's just God's given uh, us by his grace. So we, we weren't um, by any means perfect parents. There are a lot of things we would do differently. Um, um, but God was raising us and bringing us to himself as we were raising them. So Drew and I were very, uh, I would say we're very intentional parents. We talked a lot about what we should and shouldn't do. Our main goal, our focus was we want them to come to Christ. Um, And so we had certain things that were non-negotiables from an early age. Um, Sunday morning church and Sunday school, it just wasn't even a discussion, just like uh, uh, school on Monday morning, you go to school at 8 o'clock, you go to church on Sunday morning. Um, we had devotionals before bed. We sang hymns every night. We had Bible reading. I taught Bible club for all of my girls when they were older. Uh, they did Bible study, memorized all 150 questions of the catechism, memory verses. We had family time. We had extended family time with cousins and grandparents and uh, uh, aunts and uncles, which is all very helpful, um, and, and limited technology. They didn't have a smartphone until they were older, until um, they were at least 15, and we had a family computer. And I say all that, we would do all of that again, but I do say that it was not enough. It is insufficient to deal with human nature. So just... We felt like we were being obedient and doing the right thing, but there is not a formula. It is not you do this and this is what you get because human nature is decidedly fallen and we're fallen and so are our children. And so what has been helpful um, to us is for us to see our children as God sees us, um, fallen, not needing, needing improvement, Um, but salvation. 
and to call a thing what it really is, which gives us the courage to face and speak the truth with love. Um, And this is what some theologians call uh, being a theologian of the cross. Now, Drew later is going to give some practical tips that we still think is is exactly what we should be doing. Um, Not just yet. But um, in light of the cross, I think it's easier to carry those things out. But again, it's all about seeing things the way God sees it. So so a definition of uh, theology of the cross, and this came straight from Mockingbird's glossary um, online. Um, But in a sense, this is very comforting to us. Um, A theology of the cross contradicts assumptions that we have about life. It says that God is most reliably reliably present in our strengths, um, not in our strengths or in our successes or the things we like best about ourselves. Rather, God is present and working in the world exactly in the place where a person is falling apart, where they are discovering the limits of their power instead of its possibilities. It also means that God is always involved in pe- with people and situations exactly as they currently are, instead of has, as they could be, might be, or used to be. Which to us is a real comfort because there's no glossing over, there's no pretending, it is, this is reality. Um, so here's some things that we know and we do think, um, um, what's his name, Brennan, I uh, can't remember his name, but he said, um, our view of God shapes us. And um, I think I've got the quote somewhere else. Let me get it. I'll get to that. Um, anyway, all right. So he speaks to us in our reversals, and it gives us a chance to point to the cross um, so that we're not surprised by uh, your child's brokenness or your own when you fail. We all need rescue and salvation and not behavior modification. So the knowledge of sin is really a good thing. It shows us the need for a savior. And that's what the gospel is. We're just and sinful at the same time, accepted and unworthy at the same time. I think that Drew and I would, from time to time, get into this thought about salvation that there was believe, obey, and then you're saved versus believe, saved, and obey when looking at our children. So the very first step is, be, is believing and they're saved, and that will lead to obedience instead of pushing in. You know, they've got to um, obey in order to be saved. We found that uh, God often works through what we see as bad. Um, reversals, the trouble, rebellion, uh, they, it's an opportunity for us to present the gospel. One of our daughters said, so we went out to all four of our daughters and just said, hey, in growing up, what things were helpful to you? What, um, or, or how should, um, how do you see now the way that we try to present the gospel? And one of our daughters said, um, in those moments when I seemed to be the furthest from God, uh, that was when I was seeking him the most. And so if we had backed off at that point and thought, oh, this might um, bother her to bring this up, it was precisely at the wrong time. So going towards what's bad and not away, um, it gives the opportunity to show grace and forgiveness.
So I will say that what we really wanted was to have children that were always compliant and always (laughs) obedient. (laughs) But over time, we've learned that 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 can lead, uh, seeking obedient children can lead to two different ends that we don't want to go to. Um, The first one, which is most obvious, is, you know, the law sows seeds of rebellion. So the first one could be that younger brother syndrome of, you know, they want to start seeking happiness through freedom and and, um, personal fulfillment. Um, Or the elder uh, brother syndrome, seeking God for what I can get from God. You know, he owes me. I follow all the rules, and so I get this. And I think in that second one, which we tend to do as Christian parents, um, we can tend to appeal to pride um, by saying, you know, we aren't that kind of people in order to make them obey, um, or appeal to fear. If you do that, you're going to get caught. Um, but there is a third, and again, this is um, calling a thing as it actually is, and it's the theology of the cross. You know, recognizing human nature is fallen and is in need of salvation, not behavior modification. One other quote from our daughters is, uh, parents got to trust God with their children. Um, so, in, in a word, point to the cross. You shouldn't be surprised at your child's brokenness or your own. Uh, there is a, they have a need for a savior. So, Drew, I'm going to hand it over to Drew uh, on how this plays out. Um, a quote from our commentary, I really liked this because it, it doesn't take us off the hook. Um, and that is, parents play a crucial God-ordained role in the discipleship of their children in the Lord. And this relates directly back to what Jane and Don said last week of Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Um, so, Drew? So does anybody have their Bible open to Ephesians 6? Um, I'll just I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll read that. Um, and I do think this relates really directly back to um, Ephesians, I mean to uh, Deuteronomy 7. But Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, um, I think this verse is, while it's short and it's very simple, seems very straightforward, I think it's just full of great ideas and themes and insights for us. Um, And I think one of the first things to note is what uh, Paul didn't say. He didn't say, Fathers, love your children. Now, why is that? What? Why would he say "don't provoke" versus love? Any any particular thoughts on that? Well, I think that uh, in some way, it's loving your children is really almost assumed. I think that uh, you know, certainly there are exceptions, but parents love their children. They might not like them sometimes, but they, they always love them. Now, um, uh, and, and so I think that must be assumed in some way. Now, we've got a clip. Rita, if you want to um, uh, get that ready to go. Now, 
now, just because, uh, in there he says, so he says, um, uh, don't provoke. And I think part of the reason he says don't provoke is it's very easy for us to provoke our children. Um, at least it was easy for me to provoke my daughters. Now, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about provoking, but don't confuse provoke with conflict. You've got parents and children, there is going to be conflict. Don't be afraid of that. I think if there was one message we would try to convey in this is conflict is going to happen. You don't want to gin it up artificially, but it's going to happen. But don't be afraid of that. And and I think the quote that uh, one of our daughters gave of, you know, when she was going through a particularly rebellious stage, you know, we didn't um, we didn't back off of talking about um, you know what was right and continuing to enforce you know what was you know measures and discipline that we had in our our family. So uh, don't be afraid of conflict. So I just want to show one little clip here. I don't know if y'all ever seen Dan in real life. Um, uh, you've got a you, you may have to tab over. Is it showing on the screen? Okay, alt, do alt tab and see if it'll bring it up on the, minimize the, uh, hit escape. There we go. Now then maximize the screen there. Maximize the screen. There you go. Oh yeah. There we go. This is a fun little clip. One of our favorite. The dad has run the boyfriend off. She's not happy. y'all we've been there and that's why it's, that's why it's so funny to us because uh, I have murdered love um, and uh, so I think that uh, in in Paul talking about uh, provoking again something that is uh, uh, we can do just uh, I think the, con- the 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 connotation there of, of provoking again not it not avoid conflict with your children but it has the uh, provoke has the connotation of perpetually finding fault, uh, you know, getting under their skin, you know, um, uh, and and it can create a settled disposition toward anger, uh, is is I think the uh, uh, the the way the Greek sort of phrased it. You know, some other words have used uh, some of the other translations and other Bibles have used exasperate or stir up or frustrate. Uh, and, and so I think those all add a little color to that word of uh, provoke. So um, h- how do we avoid provoking um, our children? And I think the guidance comes from the rest of the verse. Uh, first of all, uh, bring them up. 
and and the, again the 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 idea there is to bring them up into maturity to nourish them uh, so that they can stand on their own and and not need you I mean that is one of our objectives as parents is to uh, you know one day they're not going to need us um, and, and that's what you want uh, as painful as that can be at times and making that transition into them not needing you is very difficult we found it very difficult as parents um, but I think that, again, that bring them up has that connotation of being alongside. Uh, not just throwing them out there, but coming alongside them and bringing them up has a sort of a meaning, a connotation of uh, gradation, you know, step by step bringing them along. And, and look, parenting is not easy. It's, it's, it's challenge. It's a challenge. Um, you know, particularly if you've got a uh, strong-willed child, it's, it's maybe even more, well, it is more difficult. But still, uh, you've got to come alongside them and bring them along. I think the two parts of this and, and um, it is discipline, is, is balancing discipline and instruction. And um, discipline, again, the Greek, the, the, the word there means to cultivate the soul by correcting mistakes, curbing passions, chastening. And... Uh, again, not just out to try to find fault, but um, yeah, um, coming alongside them again, establishing clear rules, clear boundaries. I think that in the Dan in real life, that was, um, uh, you know, it, it certainly created conflict, but I don't think that was him provoking his child. But uh, uh, the other side of discipline is no discipline. I think we've got, uh, you know, just a little quick clip from Mean Girls here that maybe shows a little bit of the... Okay, hold on. All right, so you can... All right, hit escape. And then alt tab over to the, I think it's already running. There it is. And go to, you know, move it over to about 43 seconds or so. Yeah, about there. Just want you to know if you need anything, don't be shy, okay? There are no rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. <laughs> right, Regina? Please stop talking. <laughs> Oh, we've been there too. Although, well, no, that's that's not true. No, we've been there where they say, "Mom, just stop talking," because um, Rita was not the. Uh, uh, if if we leaned toward one side or the other, it was more toward discipline than instruction. And I think, look, if I if it, it, it some of the learning that I've gained from this class and just uh, going through the experience of, of parenting um, these girls is. Um, uh, I, I would I would uh, lean more toward the instruction side than I than I did before. But the instruction side um, is thinking of um, the connotation there is reasoning by going through God's thought process. That's sort of the Greek uh, meaning. Um, you know, it's dialogue, it's listening. Uh, I should I meant to I should have sort of bold listen, um, persuade. Um, 
And I think one of the things that I that I wanted to pause and, and emphasize here is when you're when you're working with your um, children, um, recognize we're broken. Sin has impacted, has affected us as parents. It's affected our nature. It's also affected our children's natures in ways that sometimes are very difficult and very complex. And there can be a lot going on there. And, uh, I mean, there can be... So when there is conflict, that doesn't mean to run away from it, but it may mean to sit there and think about, particularly if it's an ongoing uh, kind of conflict, but think about it in terms of maybe something's going on from a physical standpoint. There could be mental challenges that, that your child is facing. It could be emotional could be social pressures, things going on in school or with friends. Um, you know, again, remember we've got different personalities, uh, personality types, and uh, all of those factors are going on. And so it's it's complicated, it's complex. And and thank God that here at Advent we've got some great resources to help us, um, uh, Gil and Cameron. And the rest of the uh, staff that helps with the uh, with the kids, with the junior high and the high school kids, um, they're great resources. And, and and I would say use them if you're going through something particularly difficult with your child. Uh, use those resources. Don't don't try to take this on by yourself. It's too complicated. It's too complex. Uh, don't feel a um, you know. Don't try to withdraw and think that you're going through something that nobody else has been through before. Because uh, if you're a parent and you've got older children, you've gone through difficulty. Uh, and you will go through difficulty with your younger children. It's just, it, it's most likely anyway, there are always exceptions. But um, So again, I think the what we're trying to emphasize here is that, that there's that balance between instruction um, and, and discipline. Um, you, you don't want you don't want too much discipline, over-discipline. You don't want under-discipline. You know, if you over-instruct and under-discipline, under uh, you, you sort of forget then that they're not adults. Um, you have to, particularly as your children get older, they're maturing in their reasoning ability and in things that they know, and you have to start, you know, you just you have to start treating them differently. And again, very difficult transition. It was for me more so than Rita. Um and there's a tendency when you're doing that over-instruction, under-discipline, that you're looking for your child's approval. Uh, over-discipline, under-instruction, often based on fear. Um, you don't want to, you know, one, you don't want to see imperfection or failure in your children. And you're maybe overly concerned about what others may think of you as a parent or a person. Um, and I think the final part of this is the cross, the gospel, I think frees us from that need to have our children's approval, to have our peers' approval, uh, and the need to have perfect children. We won't have perfect children. Uh, I certainly wasn't a perfect child. Rita pretty much was. I think you know, y'all, a few of the women in here probably were. But you know, you won't have perfect children. There will be difficulty. Um, and Rita, I'm going to let. So I did find that quote. Okay. Um, it was uh, Brennan Manning, and he said, It is true that we make our images of God. It is even truer that our image of God makes us. And so in uh, conclusion, really, I think part of what we do as parents is to help form 
that image of God. Um, finally, we were our responsibility is to point them to God. And in our baptismal vows, I think I love going to a baptism because we hear it again. Um, and their sin, when, when they recognize their sin, it helps them to see the cost of their salvation. So we, we are asked to pray with and for our children, to speak openly of who God is, and to set a godly example, um, to be morally consistent. Not perfect, but morally consistent. So that's it. Are there any questions? Because if there are, Jane can answer them. Yeah. <laughs>